Your brain might just help you learn something in more ways than one. Welcome to Dr. Gary Bell's Absurd Psychology. Dr. Bell is a licensed marriage and family therapist. He'll be your guide on this crazy exploration designed to bring life back into our existence. Can you become the element of change in an ever-changing world? Possibly, but you've got to listen on to find out. Now here is the host of Absurd Psychology, Dr. Gary Bell. Welcome, everybody. All right. We're talking about living the best life. And I have to say, you know, that mediocrity is a yuck. It's our average human feeling and emotional state. It's a it's a stuck part of us that needs further development towards, you know, like emotional growth and maturity. You know, nothing ever grows in the comfort zone. And, and, you know, this this mediocrity is a byproduct of our history, our philosophy, our physiology, our experiences. It's often seen and experienced through a negative lens. And mediocrity can be reframed as a positive conduit because it's peaceful in some regards and provides a direct pathway to identifying core values and needs and living our best best life. But to live our best life means that we have to be able to achieve hard and hard in life. Life is what makes your life easier. But many people are too mediocre and too lazy to do hard. And when you do something hard in your life, that means people can actually seek you as an expert to help them with their hard and help them with their needs because you took the time to do something hard. But some people are just too lazy. And so they sit in mediocrity their whole life, spend their life in their late years watching television and never really doing much about themselves or their lives. And so we all have this mediocrity, this this stuck part of us, and it's an average human feeling, an emotional state that holds a whole lot of meaning to us individually and where we have not been able to effectively experience growth and maturity. And and mediocrity is a byproduct of our our history, our, our physiology, our experiences, our history and our family. You know, and, it, and and we have negative associations to it because mediocrity does not buy you a lot of living. It buys you a lot of coping. And unfortunately, people that have the opportunity to actually experience and live a life do not do that. They will sit and do the easiest possible thing. They will form patterns that are easy for them to adapt to. They will form relationships that don't stretch them they you know they don't reach for people that know more than they do they don't reach for people who are most more emotionally stable than they are you know there's a lot of people that they're not they're not seeking a life what they're doing is they're just existing in a life and that is not the way we need to operate if we want to really experience life we've got to take chances that means we have to take leaps of faith that That means that we have to join the force of life, which is faith. That means that we go into something with not knowing what the outcome is going to particularly look like, but we experientially learn by taking leaps of faith. You take a leap of faith when you get married, have a baby, go to your job, take a job, buy, buy a house buy a new car, anything, go on a vacation. It's all leaps of faith. You don't know how it's going to roll out as far as an experience, but what you do know is you're you're adding to your life by throwing to yourself into an experience where you get to learn. And that is a very powerful thing to do. And it's very important for us to understand, and a lot of people avoid this topic, 
And that is, what is your passion? What are your purpose? You know, is there passions in your life? Some people, their passion is golf. That's okay. Maybe you can build friendships around that. Maybe your passion is your work. That's fine. That's great if that's what your passion. Maybe your passion is raising children. That's great. Enjoy that. But keep adding. Don't just do that your whole life. Add other passions and purpose because purpose is how we serve others. And that's where our life actually reaches meaning. It will not have meaning when we live in a vacuum by ourselves. It only has meaning when our life touches other people's lives. And it's a very part of us that we need to grow and mature developmentally in order for us to put ourselves out there, take risks and challenges and developing and sustaining our relationships. If we're just continue to use the same stuff over and over and over again, we are never going to get outside the box and have a life where we actually actually live. In addition, you know, uh, there's a lot of disparity between wondering what you could be doing and what you're not doing. You know, there's a lot of negative dialogues that we have about ourselves. And that's because people operate with expectations and expectations are negative. They're a depressive narrative because they have this huge emotional attachment to them as if we are a failure. And if we operate in life as perfectionists looking for uh, perfect experiences, we're often not going to find those. So everything is going to taste a lot less than what we expected them to be. And so our life won't be rich with expectations. It has to be preferences, preferences, preferences. If we live with preferences, we communicate them all day long and people learn how to communicate with us. They learn what we like, what we don't like. That is called character. And character is how people know how to love you by the decisions you make in your life for yourself. And that's a very powerful thing. So indecisive people often live what are called mediocre lives because they do what's only safe. And if you're going to live safe, only safe, always safe, and if you're always going to live consultatively, do you think this is a good idea? Do you think that's a bad idea? Do you think that means you're living for how things look rather than how you experience things? You know, that mediocrity can be challenging because avoiding emotions and emotional states over time, like people who avoid conflict, results in considerable amount of stagnation, stuckness, and discomfort because we will never resolve an argument. You know, the bottom line is conflict is safe when you do it as an adult. Adults go, you know, I'm really disappointed about this. I'm really sad. I wish you would have done this because this affected me this way. That That's speaking to your emotions. That's not demonstrating. That's not offering verbosity and craziness. It's just putting it out there with your words. And if we learn to do conflict with our words and speak to our emotions, we have a much better way of living our life and defining our needs. You know, throughout life, we're all expected to feel our our share of fear, frustration, disappointment. But these feelings are all typical human emotions and human states. The real thing, if you can get this about life, you can understand how to communicate with people. It is not what they're talking about that is important. It is the meaning of what they're talking about to them that is important. So you have to acknowledge how Pearson feels about what they're talking about before going into the details and the analytical breakdown of what they're talking about. You know, 
You have to understand that you have to work your way out of mediocrity. You have to work your way out of being lazy. That means that we have to establish ourselves what are called self-discipline, and that means allowing ourselves to create a life that is challenging, that is creative, that is effective, and that's interesting, and that helps other people. You know, if you're going to live mediocre, you're not seeking to help other people. You're not seeking to be above and beyond the average thing on this planet. You're given this chance to live an exceptional life. However, the problem is that we live in fear. And if you're going to live in fear, that means you're not going to make a lot of faith-based choices. So when fear enters, faith leaves. When faith enters, fear leaves. And we are supposed to live in faith, not in fear. That's why we believe in God. That's why we believe in things we cannot see. And that is the defining force of what makes us live on this planet and do and take chances and exist and know that as we look back, we do not live apologetically and we do not live regretfully. We live because we live and experience and take chances and do things and find what we need. You know, it's really important for us to, to uh, 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 really take chances, understand, and to put ourselves out there to passionately understand what we are passionate about. You know, if you can imagine what happened if you were in the in, in mediocrity and allow yourself to just acknowledge it, accept it, and be with it. What's the best that could happen? What's the worst that could happen? What's the most likely thing to happen? Are you going to accept the mediocrity and just be that? Or are you going to find a way to exist and to live? You know, you would not be doing what you're currently uh, doing if you knew the consequence of what in the end that would buy you. It's not going to always buy you more longevity. Mediocrity has its own set of stress. It has limitations, financial conditions. It has limitations on what you can do with your life, the way you can live your life, where you can live, how you can live, what you can drive, what, how the, the condition of your family. It has everything to do with that. And if you're going to just be mediocre, you're just going to sit there. You're going to sit there in that crap and not get yourself out there in the world and experiencing. If you want a life that it's rich. What you need to do is go where people are smarter than you. You need to go where people are more emotionally stable than you are. And you need to submit yourself to the idea that they may have something to offer you. It doesn't mean they're a god. It doesn't mean you have to look up to them in every way they live their life. But what it does mean is they may have something to show you, something to teach you that you don't have to reinvent the wheel and you can make your life improve even more. We are always up against whether we want to accept, acknowledge, or are or, or compassionate towards or embrace aspects of our human conditions and our emotional states. People that live as victims, you know, I'm always a victim. I'm all, you've always done this to me. The world is doing everything to me. You did this to me. You did this to me. This victim crap approach is worse than mediocrity. It's prison, and it puts everybody else in prison that's around you. So when you choose to live like a victim, you are imprisoning everybody around you also and dragging their life into your mediocre, if not pathetic, crap. Unfortunately, people these days are so selfish and narcissistic and borderline, they have to make the world to be about them. They cannot imagine a world without 
them. Everything has to revolve around them. Everybody needs to be groomed to serve them. That's what victims do. They suck the life straight out of your body. You know, it's sad, but like whiny people, whiny people do the same thing. If you, it's people that are whining are not looking for people that are compassionate. What they're looking for is sympathy. That means you will do something to solve my poor little pathetic position. No, we're not meant to live like that. We, you know, we're meant to live in the middle of a freaking jungle in a third world country, looking out for ourselves, hunting for our own meat and living and, and dealing with living under branches and, and making our own little place to live and, and, and being creative through all the way through our life. Unfortunately, we are all so comfortable and lazy that we do not seek. We just sit around and live in our heads. And when you live in your head, especially by yourself, without consulting others, without learning from other people, without seeking knowledge, if you're going to live that way, you're always going to be mediocre because you've sat in the comfort zone. Nothing in your life will ever grow from that aspect. If you want to experience rejection, if you don't want to experience that, then don't live your life because nobody is going to, not everybody is going to accept you. Not everybody's going to like what you have to say, what you do. That's just the way it goes. Who cares? Your motivator needs to come from inside of yourself who you are. It needs to be something that you're stating from your will and you're allowing the world to see that and some people will learn from it and some people will hate it. Some people don't care, whatever. But when you're putting it out there, you got to put it out there and let people analyze it and see if it can add to people's lives. You know, we do not want to live by choice in the comfort zone. Nobody does. You need to go out. If you don't like football, go to a football game. If you don't like paintings, go to a museum and see what you can appreciate. Each person has a unique individual and different goals and desires. That's what makes us all different. However, there's one hope that we all seem to share, and that's to live a good life. Well, if you want to live a good life, here's the two qualities you need to have. Number one is you need to be grateful. You need to be grateful to anyone and everyone who adds to your life. You need to thank people for what they've brought you. You need to thank people for what they teach you, even if it's in a negative experience. Thank them. Be grateful. Recognize the good things in them. Recognize even evil, crappy people have good in them. Can you find that? If you can find that, you're going to find your life to be magnetic. You're going to be drawing the best of people to you. Even despicable people will be kind to you. That's a good thing because sometimes they have something good to offer you. You know, the other thing is, the other thing that is most important, and this is what Jesus taught, this is what any religion will teach you, is compassion. Compassion is the act of love. So when we talk about, oh, I love you, well, that's great. But the idea is, do you do the act of love? The act of love is compassion for another. That means you care. That means you care about how they feel. That means you care about what they need. That means you're not trying to solve their problems. That you actually just care and you're concerned. You know, I'm sorry you feel that way. I'm sorry you're having a bad day, but I'm not going to fix it. I, but I do care. I do care. And you see, that is the act of love. And that's what we all need. Unfortunately, we have such a harsh and selfish society. 
society and world that we live in that people are so self-consumed that they forget to do the one thing that we all are asked from a, a, a faith-based perspective, and that is to be compassionate for people in the world. And we need to do more and more and more of that, and we need to teach our children more and more and more of that, because if we don't, we will lose our lives to ourselves. And that is the sad thing that we're all headed for if we keep down this narcissistic road. Naturally, living a good life means different things to different people. Some people focus on finding meaning. Other prioritize happiness. Well, happiness can't be had if you don't have joy in your life. You need to have joy in your life because that is the search for happiness. Other, otherwise, we're if we're depressed, we're always looking for catastrophes, hypothesizing catastrophes, and often uh, drawing catastrophes to us as a self-fulfilling prophecy because we are trying to protect ourselves and live in fear. Well, that's the devil's playground. If you're going to have fear as an ingredient of your motivation, you're teaching yourself basically to live in free will. That means you're going to make a lot of choices that are stupid and selfish, and you're going to be impulsive, and you're going to regret. And you know you get to spend the last part of your life trying to regain your own integrity. And if you have no integrity, you're not going to have people in your life because nobody wants to be around dishonest, lying people. Unfortunately, some people work themselves into that corner that they never can get themselves out because their reputation precedes them. You have to be careful with that. If you're a young person, the one thing as you're older that's going to keep you as a person that draws people to you is you have to have integrity. If you do not have that, you will be an old fart sitting in a nursing home with nobody to visit you. You will be at the hospital with a heart attack and nobody shows up. You see, that is the essence. And what is integrity? It's what you do when nobody's looking. That is the most important thing. What do I do when nobody's looking? And when people can walk in on you, no matter if you're, you're by yourself or not by yourself, when they can walk in and everything you're doing is honest and good, that is a person of integrity. That is a person who values trust. And the deal is, if you want to have relationships in life, you do not work on love. You work on trust. Trust means that you act and say the same. You do not have incongruencies. You respect trust. You respect your partner. You respect your relationship by valuing trust. If you can do that, that is the binder of a book of all relationships. People that don't value trust have anxious attachment, which is relationships in which wobble, never get fully close, never self-actualize, never become something congruent, never stay the course, are full of conflict, and that is because you don't value trust. If you do value trust in others and yourself, and the relationship with trust has to start with yourself, then you're going to have a best life you can possibly have. You know, positive psychology is a category of research and practice, and it focuses on each person's character's strengths. But what is most important to understand about a person's character and strength, it starts with their will, and that is your soul. That is your essence. And if you look at Nietzsche, which was a atheist philosopher, will to power 
The will to power, that is your essence. And if you can't tap your will, you're not going to have a best life and you'll never be resilient. We're going to take a quick break and we're going to come right back and talk about living your best life. So come back. Friend us on Facebook to keep up with what's empowering the world. Voice America Empowerment. Dr. Gary Bell is available for speaking engagements as well as teaching at your seminar or workshop and life coaching via telephone Skype or in person in the Seattle area. Dr. Bell brings his no-nonsense, straight-from-the-hip discussions each week on the show, but it doesn't stop there. Learn about motivation and psychology, one-couple marriage repair, a two-day workshop in Seattle, and more. Visit drgbmft.com today or call Dr. Gary Bell at 951-818-7856. That's drgbmft.com or 951-818-7856. It's time to serve, learn, change the world. Tune in each week for The Power of Young People to Change the World, hosted by NYLC CEO Amy Muirs. The program is a forum for both young people and the adults who love and support them. We make connections with others through stories of change, partnership, and new perspectives of issues facing the world today. Be sure to join us every Thursday at 6 p.m. Eastern Time and 3 p.m. Pacific Time, or anytime on demand on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. Friend us on Facebook to keep up with what's empowering the world. Voice America Empowerment. You are tuned in to Dr. Gary Bell's Absurd Psychology. If you have a question for Dr. Gary or his guest, please call in to 1-888-346-9141. That's 1-888-346-9141. That's easy enough, but if you want to send an email, it will take some thinking. Got a pen? The email address is drgbmft at sbcglobal.net. Or you can just click on Email Host on the Voice America page. Now, back to Dr. Gary Bell's Absurd Psychology. Welcome back, everybody. All right, we're talking about living your best life. And, you know, the whole thing is if you're going to be depressed and anxious and if that's going to be a part of your character that you accept, you're going to resonate with sadness, loneliness, irritability, anger, frustration, rage, being misunderstood, not being able to be trusted. Why? Because you do what you feel rather than what you think. You let your life be led by your feelings, and your feelings are often negative. Your feelings make you vulnerable. Your feelings are always not meant to lead. They're meant to follow. They're meant to be your motivator. So if I'm going to do something, I'm going to do that because I want to feel good. If I'm going to mow the lawn, I'm going to mow the lawn because I want it to look nice. So I use the idea of what it's going to look like. And that makes me happy, so I will mow the lawn. So, you know, the bottom line is emotions are meant to motivate us. They're not meant to lead us. Unfortunately, impulsive people who cannot explain why they make decisions are making lots of emotional decisions. People, when they're depressed, do they get out of bed to go to work? No, not if they don't feel like it. 
Have, are they going to do something like go, go into a crowd? No, because that'll make them anxious and afraid. You know, people are building, they build reasons not to live their life and they call them disorders. And these disorders have symptoms that come with them, but that's simply because they're coping with something that they want to control that they can't control. And the way they do it is through depression, anxiety, OCD, whatever you want to call it. But a person that grabs their life by, you know, by the life, owns their life, makes decisions in their life, has what is called positive emotion. They have engagement. They are willing to meet people that they don't know. They're willing to seek resources when they need to have resources. They're willing to have relationships with people and bring them into their life. They're willing to invest in other people's lives and other people's interests. And so instead of just inviting people to your house and having company and never doing anything, why don't you join a person's life and their activities and what they do? If somebody fishes, go fishing with them. If somebody has a boat, go help their boat. You know, somebody enjoys playing cards, go play cards with them. But don't just sit there and have conversation and expect that to last as far as building a relationship. That's not what it is. It's about vesting in people's life. If you want to make friends, don't sit on your butt. Don't be mediocre. Be somebody that's curious. Be somebody that's interested. Be somebody willing to learn. Be humble and join life. Step in and allow yourself to experience what other people may have experienced in their life and learn from them and enjoy that. If you want to have meaning, get out of the past, get out of catastrophizing and be here in this moment, right here. Stop living in the past and the future. Live right here. Invest yourself in the person in front of you and spend time with them and stop living in your head. Actually be in the moment and what you will discover is you talk about memories and things and great things and and you experience their life and they experience your life and you join each other's lives in many ways because you're able to have meaning by being here no agenda no weird stuff we're just connecting our lives together that's where life has the most meaning if you could do that for your kids you would have the most incredible relationship with them unfortunately some people are too about where they want to be next and not about where they are now. And that's where we lose life's meaning. COVID locked us all in to where we didn't have relationships and now people are lonelier than they've ever been. And they're making dumber choices than they've ever made. And they're closed up their life to other people. And we cannot do that if we want our life to have meaning. Your life will only live beyond you if you attach your life to other people and your things that you do with them and the things you say to them, including your children, including your spouse, including your extended family, that kind of stuff will carry on beyond you. But you have to step out of your box and get into other people's lives. You need to go see your kids play. You need to go do things that your kids want to do. You need to go do stuff that your spouse wants to do. Don't be selfish. And if it's not something you want to do, you won't do it. That's the narcissist. Get out of your box and go join other people's lives. Make time. You know, another thing is achievement. Achievement means I'm adding skills to my life that could make my life join other people. If I'm going to learn a new language, let's say I learned Chinese, let's say I learned Spanish, then I've added a whole new population of people that I can relate to. Who would want not want to have that gateway to the world? But people don't value the idea of learning other languages. If you did, you might find connection with people that you feel that you actually 
uh, a mesh with. Another thing that really keeps us going is understanding about looking for inspiration, looking for joy, looking for curiosity, experiencing joy, wanting to have joy. You know, we're entering the holidays. This is the time to really understand what joy means. And that means surround yourself with people that make you a better person. If you're going to surround yourself with a bunch of toxic family members, you're going to make the holidays the worst experience of your life. If you surround yourself with people who inspire you, people who add to you, people who bring good things to you, now you're going to create a life that's even more dynamic. You know, love is really simple. Compassion, compassion, compassion is the act of love. If you can have empathy and compassion for other people, you have the propensity to love. If you have no empathy and no compassion for other people, you are going to be lonely, crotchety, and live a very mediocre life. You may be an expert at something, but people won't respect you because you don't care about anybody else but yourself. You know, also gratitude. Gratitude will help your life. It rolls out the red carpet for everywhere you go because gratitude puts other people first. And when you put other people first, they will add you to their life because you put them first. You made an effort. You know, one of the greatest things that I experienced living in a very old neighborhood, a lot of old people, is mowing their yard. I mow my yard. I'll mow their yard. I'll trim their yard. I'll trim my yard. And it's not that hard. And a lot of it gets done because here in Seattle, we don't have big, big yards in the middle of the city. So it's really a five-minute ordeal. No big deal. But guess what? The neighbors are like a sore appreciate they'll bring flowers and then their kids say thank you for taking care of my mom thanks for taking care of my dad you know and then you meet people and then all of a sudden you're vested and all of a sudden good things happen but you can't just hope that life is going to jump on the hood of your car and, and grab on and say please take me it's not going to happen that way you have to step into your life that is what makes life bigger than you better than you and that's how we live our best life you know the curiosity and the determination to do good things is what brings joy in your life, and it is an incredibly gifted, gifted experience for lots of people. People begin looking out for you when you vest yourself in their life. There are huge benefits to be had by investing in other people's lives and taking the time to add people that are not toxic that bring something to you. You know, mindfulness is a state of flow, another positive psychology concept. And when you are truly engaged in a task, you're only focused on what you're doing. Your mind isn't worried about your to-do list or, your, or other stressors. You're completely in the present in that moment. If I'm taking my garbage out, I'm taking my garbage out. If I'm cleaning up my garden, I'm cleaning up my garden. Can we start to be those kind of people? Am I trimming the trees? Let me trim the trees. Am I cleaning up the backyard? Yes. Am I painting the house? Yeah, sure. Can we just be that? If you're cleaning your gutters, I'm going to do that. Can we just be in those moments? That helps us learn how to live life. That takes away all stressors and it allows us to engage and be productive and make our life easier. The state of flow is so important because mindfulness allows you to lose track of time but also be engrossed in something as a result of inspiration or awe or waiting for a result that is going to be good for you. You know, positive relationships, it becomes, uh, you know, cliche for people to think about positive relationships, but humans 
in essence, are social creatures. No matter how interviewed someone is, I remember I had this crotchety old neighbor when I was a little kid, and he was a mean old man, and he he hated kids, and uh, he'd be out in his yard working, and that was his thing to do, and I'd just say, hi, mister, I can't remember his last name. Hi, mister, blah, 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 how are you? And I'd be very cheerful and happy, and he'd be like, I'm fine, blah, blah, blah. And, you know, he didn't like talking to me. I was a stupid kid, and he was an old man. And uh, bottom line is he had better things to do. But the bottom line is I kept coming at that guy, and I, I always kept coming at him with a positive, and I learned that I finally broke through and had a positive relationship for him. He did nice things for my family. He was a very nice man to my family because – I was nice to him, and that made a difference in his life because somebody actually stepped out of their box and stepped into his world no matter what, and I would appreciate his garden. I would tell him what how beautiful it was, how great things, how beautiful his yard was. I complimented his work. I, you know, and and it was wonderful work. And the bottom line is that brought him out of his shell and made him a better person for it. You know, these positive relationships come from us. Positive relationships need to be us inspiring our friends, our spouses, our support groups, our hobby groups, our teach our our teachers. Our, our pastors, the people that we live with, people that we go to church with, we need to add positives into people's lives. We cannot expect them to come to us. We have to go to them. And if people are toxic and negative, we need to step away from them and not allow ourselves to get caught up in their crap. And that includes mom, dad, that includes brother, sister, that includes kids, that includes everybody. But if there are children, we're going to have to hang on to that one and try to make it better and better by giving it good, 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 good as much as we can. You know, cultivating meaning in life is to be service to something outside of yourself. Meaning can be religious. It can be just as easily as secular. But people find meaning in parenthood, activism volunteer work, paid work, and a whole lot of other things. You know, even in your neighborhood programs where you guys all communicate with each other as neighbors, that could be a positive experience. I've seen so many animals that were lost and found because people really cared. I've seen people actually witness people being hurt or having things stolen and being those people actually being caught because they took the time to care about each other and communicate with each other. Those create meaning. You know, the achievement or accomplishments are huge also, depending on who you ask. But this is what creates a best life. You know, a good life, according to theory, revolves around setting and working towards goals. That is a process, not an outcome. The outcome is the nice thing that happens. It is the icing on the cake. But the real cake is the process. And we have to have process before we have outcomes. Unfortunately, people are so impatient that they want to have outcomes no matter what, and they don't care about process. Process is just getting in the way, and that creates mediocrity. That creates laziness. That creates a byproduct that is not quality. In this life, we need to have quality. Quality, not quantity. That means we invest in process and get outcomes. We invest in our children and get outcomes. We invest in our spouse and get outcomes. We invest in our job and get outcomes. But we don't work for the outcome. You can't live that way if you want to have a best life. The only way to have a best life, the only way to understand patience, the only way to understand how to manage anxiety, how to manage depression 
is to invest in your life and live in the process and enjoy the process of learning and grab onto resources that help your process, people that can help your process, people that bring something to you. That is a very powerful thing. And, and if you want to have a best life, we have the resources in this world to grab onto each other, to use each other's intelligence, to use each other's hard to help make our life easier. You know, we need to live a little more deliberately, you know, in front of the essential facts of life. And this comes from Henry David Thoreau. You know, if I could not learn what I had to teach and not what I came to die, but discover that I had not lived, I wanted to live deep and suck out all the marrow of life. And that is important. In this life, we have the chance to have the greatest experiences if we will submit ourselves to each other. Psychology has largely focused on various things that we can go wrong with the human mind, including different forms of mental illness and how we re react to traumatic events. You know, if you're going to let a traumatic event define your life, it will define your life and you will grab onto anything that reminds you of that traumatic event and eventually your whole life will become a trauma. The sad thing is with trauma is we need to let it go. You have to let it go. And you can't go, I'm afraid of that happening again. No, it's not always going to happen again. You know, I stuck my foot in a lawnmower when I was a little kid and cut one of my toes nearly off. And does that mean I'm never going to mow the lawn? No, I got to get back on the horse, do it smarter and mow the lawn. Do it. Get out there and do it. You know, if we're going to live in our traumas, we're never going to experience life. We're never going to experience happiness. We're never going to have self-fulfillment. We're not going to be able to vest ourselves in other people's lives. If we're so worried about our life and our fears and our finances and all that crap, give it to God and let yourself live. Give it to God and let yourself live. Be let God be in charge. If if that's you know, I'm coming from a Christian perspective. I know all you secular people are not gonna like that, but the bottom line is if you're allowed to submit yourself to the idea that you're not in charge, somehow, some way, you will find a way through your life. Somehow, some way, you will have what's called intuition which is a sixth sense, which allows you to direct in a much more intelligent way. But the bottom line is when you're making choices, stop living in the reaction and go to the response. That's where logic is, and that's where we live the better life. All right, we're going to take another break, and we're going to come right back. Change your world. Change your life. VoiceAmericaEmpowerment.com. Dr. Gary Bell is available for speaking engagements as well as teaching at your seminar or workshop and life coaching via telephone Skype or in person in the Seattle area. Dr. Bell brings his no-nonsense, straight-from-the-hip discussions each week on the show, but it doesn't stop there. Learn about motivation and psychology, one-couple marriage repair, a two-day workshop in Seattle, and more. Visit drgbmft.com today or call Dr. Gary Bell at 951-818-7856. That's drgbmft.com or 951-818-7856. Unravel the mysteries of metaphysics every week on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. Join host Barb Crowley as she and her insightful guest share what's been learned behind the veil, going just beyond our five senses. Now you can see things with an entirely different point of view. 
Tune in for Metaphysics, A View Through the Veil, broadcasting live every Friday at 1 p.m. Pacific Time and 4 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. Use it to explore your advantage and deeper understanding. It's your world. Motivate. Change. Succeed. VoiceAmericaEmpowerment.com You are tuned in to Dr. Gary Bell's Absurd Psychology. If you have a question for Dr. Gary or his guest, please call in to 1-888-346-9141. That's 1-888-346-9141. That's easy enough, but if you want to send an email, it will take some thinking. Got a pen? The email address is drgbmft at sbcglobal.net. Or you can just click on Email Host on the Voice America page. Now, back to Dr. Gary Bell's Absurd Psychology. Welcome back, everybody. We're talking about living our best life. You know, if you want to live your best life, it sounds absurd. But if you focus on others, while we tend to be preoccupied with making money in the hope that it will provide us with happiness, security, the greatest satisfaction we can often have comes from spending that hard-earned money on other people. Whether that spending takes the form of charitable donations, buying gifts for loved ones, performing random acts of kindness, the sense of satisfaction that can result does more to promote well-being than buying things for yourself. Surprise, surprise. Even in toddlers, research studies show that children who gave their own treats away to others seemed happier than if they ate the treats themselves. The other thing about life is be passionate, but do so harmoniously. While we're often urged to find our passion in life, this can be difficult to do for a lot of people. You know, of all the different things that we might engage in, only a few of them really resonate with us to the point of making it an important part of our lives, often defining as as a strong inclination toward any activity that people like or find important in which they invest time and energy. A passion is more than just doing something. It can be a form of self-identity as well, like playing a guitar makes you a musician, painting, sculpture makes you an artist, but it also needs to be a harmonious passion, being a part of someone's life without crowding out other things that are just as important. So research is looking that harmonious passion indicates that it can spill over to other aspects of other people's lives, including better interpersonal relationships, less overall cynicism, and greater energy. So if you experience humor, which is a huge ingredient of our character, while laughter is still the best medicine, Different styles of humor can have different uh, responses. For example, affiliative humor involves using quips or jokes to diffuse tensions, encourage interpersonal relationships by amusing other people. Self-enhancing humor involves using humor to relieve stress and maintain a cheerful outlook on life. Then there's aggressive humor, which is pretty much the way it sounds. It's humor aimed at putting down or demeaning others using sarcasm or ridicule or teasing. And finally, there's sep- Uh, self-disparaging humor. That's poking fun at yourself to gain approval from other people, and it can be used to avoid any constructive solutions to a problem you might be facing. So, you know, as one might expect, there's affiliative and self-enhancing humor are strongly linked to positive well-being, optimism, and self-esteem. Humor is very healthy. 
If people actually understand the value of humor, they will incorporate it into their life in any way possible. You know, it, it also relieves anxiety, depression, uh, neuroticism, and aggressive humor will add more hostility and neuroticism. So don't be afraid to use humor in your life, but avoid the aggressive and self-defeating humor that can aggravate problems instead of diffuse them. And, and, and you know, this idea is self-compassion is important. Since we are often our own worst critics, we have a tendency to beat ourselves up for mistakes that we would likely forgive in other people. This double standard can undermine our self-esteem, make us seem more flawed than we really are. And so people that are perfectionistic, uh, people that uh, are self-oriented, uh, people that are other-oriented, meaning they're oriented, their whole identity is their job or something like that, or uh, they're socially prescribed to, to be a perfectionist, that means that other people hold them to an ex a perfectionistic standard, this is a problem. If we're going to live that way in a perfectionistic mindset, we are not designed for pe perfectionistic mindsets as living human beings. Yes, in tasks we may do, we may have to be perfectionistic. If you're inventing a telescope or if you're uh, trying to go into outer space, or if you're trying to build a ship that's going to carry 5,000 people, uh, you know, an aircraft carrier, something like that, a nuclear uh, pl a plant, something like that. Yes, you have to be perfectionistic, but at the same time, you have to make room for human. And in life, we have to make a lot of headway for human. That means that we have to understand what forgiveness is because we cross paths sometimes and we affect each other in ways we never expect. You know, it's amazing to me that people that will have an affair don't think it's going to hurt their partner's feelings until they realize their partner's taking it very personal and, oh, my God, I didn't intend to hurt their feelings, but, oh, look what I did. You know, th th that kind of stupidity and not really thinking about how uh, the things we do affect other people can be really, really self-disparaging uh, and self-inflicting. Uh, so what we have to understand is forgiveness has to do with intentions. So if I'm going to have an intention uh, to do something bad, I'm probably going to be viewed as somebody that can't be trusted. But if I am doing something where the intention is good, I am hoping that people will forgive me for making a mistake because I was trying to do something good, but it ended up being something bad. Unfortunately, people will ask you the why question. Why did you do that? Well, they're attacking what you did. That's not good. That's a motive-based question. It drives people crazy. You will be lied to. If you want to get good answers, ask a what and a how. What made you decide to do that? How did you decide to do that? Because that means you're looking for forgiveness. That means you're looking for a true answer. That means you're not going to be beating on the bad thing. You understand bad things happen. But your understanding is trying to discover the intention. And that is where people gain a life of being trusted and understood because they have the patience to look for intentions. If we did that with our children, we would be safe parents. If we're always going to beat them down for the bad thing they did, we're going to they're going to learn that they have to bend the truth in order to get your approval. And that means they have to learn how to lie. And unfortunately, a lot of kids carry that into their adult life with their spouse, and that creates a lot of broken relationships because they had to lie to you as a parent because you had to ask them why, 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 as if their motive was horrible. You know, 
it seems reasonable to assume that most people want to live happy, vibrant lives. Unfortunately, in spite of the desire, few people actually make that happen. They don't put the energy into it because they're freaking lazy. They want everything to throw themselves on the windshield of their car and beg for them to join. You know, it's virtually impossible to have truly happy life while continually nursing grudges and holding on to resentments and never forgiving. It's not an easy process, but it's well worth the effort to forgive people who have harmed you. In fact, doing so puts control over these situations back in your hands. Once you've forgiven, then you're free to decide whether or not you will work to heal your relationship or let them go entirely. So how do we deal with forgiveness? Well, I may not trust you, but I will have faith in you. I will have faith in you until I do trust you. That is the essence of what we have to do. That is the bridge to trust. If you want to trust, it will happen when it happens, but it has to be consistent and you have to show character and integrity. The bottom line is, if you want somebody to forgive you, if you want somebody to trust you, don't expect them to trust you. Tell them, I don't expect you to trust me. I need you to have faith in me until you do trust me. That's the action of responsibility that a person has to take when they're being a turd. You know, take action to rid yourself of destructive habits. A person that loves himself learns how to say no to the things that hurt them. If that's the kind of person you are, you learn how to love yourself. Don't limit yourself, to, you know, don't limit yourself to physical things like drinking too much or not getting enough exercise, including things that impact your emotional and spiritual well-being as well. Then make a plan to cut each habit out and replace it with something that is positive. Nothing else matters if you don't have close and meaningful connections to people who you put the effort in to have compassion and love for. Unfortunately, many people fail to realize how much work it takes to create and maintain truly close, emotional, healthy relationships. This means prioritizing spending time together, learning to listen, committing to working through problems. You know, when I meet a new person in my life that I know will likely be an important person in my life especially, I am going to give them as much compassion and love and empathy as I possibly can to learn what kind of person they are. And usually people will want to always be the better person. Compassion will buy you so many good things in your life if you want to draw people into your life. If you want to be a grumpy old person who doesn't want people around or even a young person who doesn't want people around, if you want to be antisocial, if you want to be a criminal, then do bad things in your life and guess what? You're going to end up washed down the drain of being uh, an interest in other people and them being interested in you. You know, the other thing is complainers. Whiners suck the soul out of your body, as I said earlier. They suck the soul straight out of your body simply because they require so much of your time and energy. They are toxic people. Cut them out of your life as quickly and as efficiently as possible, as much as you can. If you have to work next to somebody that's a whiner, get as far away from them as you can. Beg your boss, please move me, because that person is sucking your soul away. Nobody wants to go to work. Nobody wants to be in a home where somebody's whining all the time. Children like to whine, and they need to learn not to whine. They need to learn to take accountability for themselves. Unfortunately, we live in a narcissistic culture where responsibility is always someone else's problem. And that's what our children are learning. So now we're going to have a bunch of kids who point at each other and nobody's ever responsible. And then everything goes down the drain because we don't take responsible for even the world we live in. Sadly, that is a society that we are creating, an irresponsible 
countless society that is not accountable for anything or anything that we do and will gaslight the hell out of everybody else just to make sure they understand how bad they are. Procrastination is depression. If you're going to be somebody that wants to live your life to the fullest, take action now and then check in with how you feel later. You know, travel, educate yourself, do something that's a dream, schedule that vacation, finish a degree, whatever it is you need to do, do it now, do it to the fullest and finish it. Finish it. Even if you're not going to use it, finish it. Because if you don't, you're going to always procrastinate. People that procrastinate only do what they feel. You don't need to be extremely rich, lucky, or well-educated to live a life of fulfillment and meaning. You just have to decide what you want from life, making getting what you want a priority. And that means you own your life. That's the responsibility. That's the ownership. That's what it takes to live a great life. You know, if you want psychological uh, richness, hedonic, uh, eudaimonic, psychologically rich lives are not mutually exclusive, nor is one better than the other. But someone whose life is good, it tends to be good in many ways, not in just one way. And so you might have a life that's happy, happy and purposeful, filled with transformative experiences. That's great. Lucky you. That's because you live a life of faith. You take a chance. Thank God people that live like that in this world can set great examples for others. But people may also choose to prioritize one type of life over another. If they're going to be a doctor, that's all they do. If they're going to be whatever sport, that's all they do. Well, if that's all you're going to do, you're going to miss out on a lot of other things in life. That doesn't mean you need to be a renaissance person, which is you know somebody who's uh, – uh, curious about all kinds of things, but the master of nothing. That's no way to live either. You need to be a master of something. You need to be an expert at something if you want to offer life something. You know, a happy life is strongly associated with extroversion, followed by conscientiousness, followed by low psychosis. Yes, that's what it is. And these things are very important. And you need to take charge of all of those aspects of your life. If you want to live a good life, you also want to live a life where you enjoy taking leaps of faith and learning from leap, leaps of faith. That is not what COVID did to us. COVID turned us all into a bunch of cave people. And that means that the world was dangerous. But the world is not dangerous. We need to step back into our life because the idiots that invented all of the psychosis around COVID did not save a lot of people's lives. They just made everybody a bunch of prisoners and psychotic. And it's sad, but we all learn something about ourselves and about the world we live in, which is people are selfish and people are contaminated in what they say and people are biased. And we live in a day and age where we believe our media and our media is a bunch of liars. Unfortunately, that's the way we live. And unfortunately, we demand of ourselves not the truth, but what we want to hear. And so living a better life takes commitment, it takes hope, it takes stepping out of the box, and it takes courage. All right, that's our show. Thanks for listening. I love hearing from you. And you can, you can reach me at voiceamerica.com, the empowerment channel, Dr. Gary Bell's Absurd Psychology. Now remember, life was much easier when Apple and Blackberry were just fruits. Also, you know you're an adult when you are excited to go home. And when you are born and even then, everything bothers you now, we have a problem. So when, when you're born and everything still bothers you at that point, there is a problem.
<laughs> During rush hour, nothing moves. And if you're a, a, a handful, that's why people have two hands. <laughs> okay. Thanks for listening, everybody. That's our show for this week. Please join Dr. Gary Bell for another edition of Absurd Psychology next Tuesday at 2 p.m. Eastern Time, 11 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. Now go impress your friends and family with what you've learned today and have them tune in next week so they can be almost as smart as you. 